Speaking the truth to the state capitol, this is Drive Time Lincoln with the commander, Jack Riggins, on the voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. All right, all right, all right. It is Friday, January 21st, day 150 of the mask siege here in Lincoln, Nebraska. Uh, we would have had what we call maybe a uh, combat pause or a little ho-ho-ho Santa hoax uh, for a couple of weeks there in the middle. But we're just going to keep the number going here. I am Detainee 3101, otherwise known as Commander Jack Riggins, host of Drive Time Lincoln. On the board, as always, is Mr. Steady Detainee 722, Johnny Cadillac. Right. Um, while I'm on Johnny Cadillac... Uh, I am not going to be in the state. I'm going to the great state of Texas next week, uh, midweek. So Doug Fitzgerald will be hosting Wednesday through Friday, along with Johnny Cadillac. And we are going to have Brian Blade, the world champion slash commissioner slash... He's the promoter. He's the owner of the MWA. The heavyweight champion. And the heavyweight champion. So we're going to have wrestling all Thursday for you. Uh, For the wrestling fans out there, uh, mark it on your calendar. Thursday, we're throwing Doug Fitzgerald in the hot seat with a heavyweight champion, promoter, commish, owner, the whole kit and caboodle, along with the ring announcer, Johnny Cadillac. Uh, the, the ring announcer and commissioner, Johnny Cadillac. <laughs> and adjudicator <laughs> and all things. Ultimately, I deliver the message to the audience that he tells me to deliver to in the first place. But <laughs> That's what's going on uh, kind of big picture here at Drive Time Lincoln. Monday, um, well, I'm still putting Monday's guests together right now, but Tuesday, I'm excited, at least since I've had the show. Um, the Secretary of State, Bob Evnen, will be in for the entire show. Uh, there are a lot of topics going around the state right now uh, with election security and election integrity. Uh, you know that I have covered Zuckerbucks, which I'm not a fan of, here in Lancaster County as well as additional drop boxes, which the intent to get more people to vote during an unprecedented year like COVID does make sense. Uh, I take issue with maybe not the thoroughness of which to secure the drop boxes um, per our law. Deb Shore was on. I thought she did a great job um, talking about why the decisions were made um, from the county board at that time, she clarified her position on it moving forward, that she is not a fan of Zuckerbucks either, and that it was a one-time deal. So I think uh, the Secretary of State will more than likely um, see things similar in Lancaster County, as well as give us an update, not just on um, those type issues, but other issues going on that the Secretary of State works on. So I'm looking forward to that on Tuesday with Secretary of State Bob Evden. Uh, I guess I should have said it's phone-in Friday. I realized I have not given you, the people, uh, the listeners, the crew, as I like to refer to you out there, uh, a chance to call in this week because we've had guests. We had uh, Matt Schulte in, who's uh, running for county board. Um, We had Deb Shore, and uh, we just have been rolling, uh, if you will, with guests, and Things to talk about, and I think that's been interesting. You know, yesterday, uh, Julie uh, 
was on, Sheldon, talking about LPS and some of the books and some of the, yeah, not curriculum, but books in the library is what she was discussing. And, you know, that's as local as it gets. Um, and uh, we've got some interesting responses from that. You know, I think we all don't exactly know <laughs> what's exactly, you know, in arm's length in our public schools across the nation, let alone here. And, and she's on top of that. But we missed whatever Wednesday, so the phone lines are open. Rick Stein, Recognition Hotline, 402-479-1400. Call in. We'll just call it a phone-in Friday. You know, I like to figure things like that. One of the things I'd I'd like to bring up, uh, if you do listen to the show, and I hope you do, hope you listen regularly, uh, you know that Richard is probably the best caller as far as numbers and content. I'd say on a lot of issues, we're probably 65, maybe 70% in agreement. Um, But he oftentimes has more depth on some of them than I do. Um, We certainly disagree on some things. But one of the things we agree on, and we did talk to Deb Shore about this uh, with the county engineer and getting our bridges, roads around the county uh, fixed and really up to the standard of which they should be so that maintenance moving forward is is not so laborious. And uh, the county engineer, Pam Dingman, has been on on quite a bit. Uh, Richard, I appreciate uh, your Bring Back the Bridges uh, movement. Uh, Richard sent me a mailer with flyers, stickers, uh, and kind of, you know, Richard has been spearheading that. And and I'm going to read a little bit from Richard's letter, which I agree with. And again... Deb Shore did talk about the percentages of money uh, that gets doled out, and you know she talked about the different uh, pieces of the county government, and and I think that's very compelling. Uh, I also think at the same time the county engineer has a very compelling argument, and you've heard that many times with the numbers. But Richard's final line in addressing me um, makes sense. He says, "Listen, with." The funds abundant this year, there is no good excuse for the county commissioners to fail to appropriate funds to get caught up. That is to get caught up on maintenance of our actual physical infrastructure in county roads, culverts, and bridges. And he intends to hold their feet to the fire. And I know he's a man of his word uh, because he's been saying this probably, you know, eight, nine months since I've got on the air. And he's followed it up. And now he's kind of got a, a movement going. Bring back the bridges. Richard, an admiral in the great state of the Navy, just like the commander, who is both the commander and a admiral in the great state of Nebraska's Navy. So we share that bond. But, you know, maybe that's on your mind. Maybe it's not. One of the things um, that I want to tell you about, it follows up on uh, Julie yesterday and talking about books and, and just what's going on in public education across our country. And you may remember uh, Stephanie Deeds Johnson from Rise Stronger, a very active Christian woman who not only uh, cares deeply about our schools and our education, our youth, but but adults as well. And she's constantly on the forefront of uh, for here for us here in Lincoln, not only of the issues going on in our schools, but around the nation, and has a great network. And she is hosting. Uh, Nebraska for Founders of Values uh, showing um, on January 27th. That is Thursday at Elevate Church 
8251 Pioneers Boulevard. At 6.30 p.m., the Nebraska for Founders Values is going to show a national documentary uh, called Mind Pollutants, which lays out and shows specific examples of sexual grooming and emotional manipulation in the schools uh, with with the curriculum, with the books, and with the uh, materials that are very similar to what Julie was talking about. Uh, inside that documentary are interviews with national experts um, and different members talking about their experience. I think that um, if that is something you have time and you are interested to kind of get a jump start on where uh, sex ed standards and the potential of sexualizing children inside of academic circles here in the state and and what else is going on in the nation it would be good to go out to nebraska for founders values showing of mind pollutants that documentary hosted by uh stephanie deeds johnson and rise stronger um, you can rsvp stephanie at stephanie's johnson's excuse me stephanie johnson 1022 at gmail.com to guarantee you a spot again that's january 27th um at 6 30 p.m at elevate church um boy that is a hot issue johnny i know that you may or may not pay attention but you know if you kind of comb the airwaves you see so many parents out in america at school boards and and they just simply read a book or they just show a few pages and my God, uh, you, you you know, I, I went home last night with my wife and I described uh, the show a little bit more after she had some questions. And she was like, that can't be in the schools. I'm like, it's in the schools, huh? You know, and so I think there's an awakening going on. And this is uh, an event here uh, that can help people uh, get their head around it. No doubt about it. Interesting on local politics. I've kind of, <laughs> I've kind of been watching. I every once in a while you'll hear me make a quip about what I I, I have noticed as it. Well, let's back up. I I guess I believed it was common knowledge months ago that Governor Ricketts had endorsed Jim Pillen for governor. Uh, I guess at least it was to me. Now, I don't know why it was, but I guess he didn't actually announce that in, uh, until this week. Um, and then, of course, we had uh, Mr. Herbster, Charles Herbster, being endorsed by former President Trump. And I thought, wow, what a year we're in for um, as a state and a city when we have a very popular former president who, you know, is still in the national spotlight uh, backing one candidate. And then we have a sitting governor who has huge popularity uh, backing another candidate. And, you know, we're generally, I'm talking from the conservative line here, and I'm like, hmm, the, the Democrats are probably happy about that. <laughs> I mean, we, we haven't even got to who are the Dem. I mean, I know there's Democratic challengers, but I'm like, wow. Then, today, it's been all over the news, right? Governor Heineman, former Governor Heineman, and Governor Ricketts now have come out and support Mike Flood for District 1 over incumbent uh, Jeff Fortenberry. And that's fine. That's strong support. Um, uh, per the presser, Governor Ricketts uh, 
talked to Congressman Fortenberry and explained it. Um, listen, folks are upset that he's even been indicted, uh, as I understand it. And if you listened when that uh, uh, story first broke, I was one of the first people to say, hey, investigate the heck out of it. Because, you know, when you are given a lot of responsibility, uh, much is expected of you. And you can't be doing that stuff. Um, whether, you know, whether it comes or goes, we're going to find out. But in the end of the day, you know, you need to be beyond reproach, I believe, when you're an elected official, uh, when you're in Washington. And to have something like that come up, uh, it's just not good. And you know what? If we've got a bench of conservatives willing to serve, like Mike Flood, then why not? Let's make sure we have candidates um, that can get the job done and, and don't have to you know, spend time dealing with indictments and, and cases. And that's not, nothing against Jeff Fortenberry from me. That's just saying he's dealing with a lot. So I thought that was interesting. Uh, more interesting to me is this uh, Adam Moorfield thing. Now, this is going on about mm, 36 hours now. The Nebraska GOP, as well as the Lancaster County Republican Party, uh, submitted a letter of request uh, to Dave Shively, the Lancaster County Election Commissioner, that he's going to have to make a ruling, and then I suspect it will go beyond that, uh, where they are claiming that uh, the Democratic candidate, Adam Moorfield, for county attorney, has not met the minimum required per Nebraska law. Now, I'll be the first one to bring the Nebraska GOP and the Lancaster County Republican Party on here and slap them around if, in fact, that isn't true. Because that is very cut and dry. That is a very cut and dry, look at the law, look at what he's done, yada, yada, yada. So my guess is is that that will move through pretty fast with Dave Shively, and he'll make a decision. Now, there may be some nuance in there and some fighting from both sides. Clearly, the Democrats in Lancaster County are going to want to get that through. Um, and he himself, meaning Adam Moorfield, has said, of course, it's not true. Um, but to me, that's a pretty clear thing. And uh, him running for office, him being involved in politics, uh, he should know better. But I'll never put it beyond political operatives to try to pull one over on us people. Um, so I think that that's something that we should pay attention to as a as a county, as a city. You know, because it's interesting. And when you look at Adam Moorfield, you know, you, you have to ask yourself, you know, why does he feel, you know, that he wants to run for county attorney other than to, you know, expand the Democratic footprint here almost as is a placement or a placeholder for upward mobility in politics, right? Because uh, the organizations he runs um, really have nothing to do with that. He gets double-dipped paid through his 501c by us taxpayers. He gets paid by city grants. That's our money. He gets paid by LPS money. That's our money. And so, you know, to me, why don't you just stay right there and Dems go get another candidate because more than likely I'm thinking the state Republican Party and the county party probably have read the law and figured out that, yeah, you know, but we'll see. Dave Shiley's got to, you know, weigh in on that one. 
So maybe that's something you're paying attention to. Let's go to Sue on line one. Hi, Commander. Um, I'm in a quandary about the ro- the roads and bridges in the county. Okay. Lancaster County, as opposed to the people in the city, the man- maintenance of it. Okay. The, how come the people in the county don't pay wheel tax and the people in the city do? And so if we take that money that we're getting back and instead of doing like Iowa is refunding it to all the citizens and uh, then having the rural people pay a wheel tax, why should the city people just pay a wheel tax and why should they spend that money, the government, at, at on maintenance of the rural bridges instead of spreading the money out to everybody and having the rural people pay wheel tax along with the city people. Okay, let's, uh, let's, let's, I'm going to admit up front, I, I am probably no more a tax expert than you are. Maybe you are more an expert than me. Let, let's back up. So we're talking the same thing here. So there's, there's two pots of money, right? The, County board has tax money from the entire county. You follow me? Right. Okay. And then the city of Lincoln, right, has tax money. And and as you're discussing, additional wheel tax that was voted on specifically for the improvements of city infrastructure roads. Are we tracking there? So, um, yeah. Okay. So, at least at the most basic level, uh, the Lincoln wheel tax and the tax money that is distributed by the mayor and city council um, cannot be used for county infrastructure. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. So now Even we're. Wheel tax? No. Because the wheel tax is for city roads. And that is my oh, understanding. Okay. That's a oh, Lincoln okay. city. Now, if if at least in my brain the way i try to break this down and if there's another caller out there that understands it better or we can go get the you know county board to come back in the way i understand it is think of lincoln okay we just covered that okay that can't be used right. so now we're to the pot of taxpayer money that the lancaster county board controls okay real right. estate taxes and from that pot of money as well as federal money i mean federal money comes to the county now they prioritize that money for everything they want to do countywide. And when it comes right. to uh, roads and bridges, that falls under the county engineer who gets her funding from the county board. So I don't, I don't, to me, it's apples and oranges, not apples and apples when I think about it. Okay, I guess it could be either. Apples and apples and oranges and oranges. I mean, would you do you, you, stay on the line, Sue? I got to take a break. Stay on the line, and I'll come back to you after this break. Fourteen hundred okay. ninety-nine three KLIN Drive Time Lincoln. You're getting the four one one from DTL with Commander Jack Riggins on fourteen hundred and ninety-nine three KLIN. All right, let's go back to Sue real quick and. Um, finish this conversation off. Sue, I got you back on air. Go ahead. 
Okay, maybe I'm confused, but are they just using rural property taxes to maintain their bridges? Is that what Richard wants to do? Or do they want to use the city wheel tax money? No, they don't want to. They don't want to. Okay, they cannot legally use city wheel tax money to do that. So we're talking about countywide money. Right. So it's not just the rural people. It's county money taxes collected that go legally to the county board who then prioritizes that money for different things. Okay, I had it mixed up because I think the people in the rural use Lincoln streets an awful lot and work here, but they don't pay wheel tax. You're probably right. It's at some certain address, right? You're not going to pay the Lincoln wheel tax, but in fact, the entire county monies um, are required for county road infrastructure outside of Lincoln, and that is. Well, we should have toll roads for them oh, to get into the Lincoln. Oh, right? come on, Sue! <laughs> come on! All right, hey, good call. Appreciate it. All right, Sue, uh, good call. Yeah, you're not going to get me on that one. Uh, (laughs) Listen, we have money, folks. It's just about prioritizing it and using it, whether it's the city or whether it is, um, you know, the county. It's not so much we're talking about, oh, the dollars, you know, where are we going to find this money? We're talking about priorities. Uh, When you hear me talk about um, my thoughts on that, I say it should be a higher priority in the county. 1,499 3 KLIN. Drive Time Lincoln with the Commander Jack Riggins on the Voice of Lincoln. 1,499 KLIN. All right, we didn't have a whatever Wednesday, so we've got a phone in Friday going on. Uh, last segment of the week, so uh, if you've got a call, call us on the Rick Stein Recognition Hotline, 402-479-1400. Uh, yeah, if you didn't notice over the break and slowly, because it's not covered by uh, the mainstream media, the mob as we like to call it down here, um, the CDC has changed positions on a lot of things with regard to COVID uh, vaccines and how effective they are. Oh, natural immunity works. Um, thumbs up. Deaths. Oh, 95% of COVID-related deaths have four or more comorbidities. Well, that'd be that. That puts context to it, folks. And of course, masks—they've changed all their policies onto the effectiveness and all of this. What does that mean? That means use common sense. Be smart, folks. Do what you and your doctor feel is best for your personal situation. And also know that there are, um, yeah, there are treatments or therapeutics out there like monoclonal antibodies right here in Nebraska as well as a couple of new drugs that are on the market. So make sure you're up to speed about how to deal with COVID um, if you get it so that we can get it into endemic stage and go on with our lives. All right, let's go to Ron. wants to talk about Jeff Fortenberry. Commander? Yes, Ron. You know, I didn't get tuned into today's show until you were at the tail end of your discussion regarding uh, Jeff Fortenberry and uh, his circumstance. Mm-hmm. But yesterday, you know, I believed that uh, Ricketts and Heinemann and their endorsement of Flood, who, by the way, I think is a great candidate. But I thought their some of their comments 
jumped past and it didn't and it did not even assume a, alleged charges right and even missed inserting it one time when it should have been in there and in the little bit i heard about your comments i, I thought your discussion was beyond alleged now no let me let me clarify hold on let me clarify let me clarify let me clarify i absolutely believe in innocent until proven guilty and you are correct as as we know right now the public these are alleged um crimes so to speak that he's been indicted for uh what i said was is that when you have such a public office, you need to try to be beyond reproach and try not to bring in right, the fact that that can cause the public or other officials to question, say, in this case, your integrity. And I was saying that I believe that has led to what the two governors are, why they're making this decision. Because they feel whether guilty or not guilty, alleged or not alleged, it's weakened him politically and made it more possible that that could be a Democratic seat. I agree with all of that. And I think there's nuance there, right? There's nuance there. There's, okay, he may well have had nothing to do with this, okay, and he's an innocent man. And I hope that's the case. But they're making, in my assessment, a political judgment. And I think they're two different things, really. They're just not when you're in they, politics. They, here, they, they perhaps are. However, I would say that this is important, too. I, w- I want to, here's three questions that I think should be asked. I'd like you to consider answering them if, if you think they're worthy. And the first thing that I thought of when these charges were first came out is Commander. Have any of us witnessed in the last four or five years any blatant political indictments that in the end went nowhere because they were really unfounded? That's an easy answer. Yes. Yes, it is. And, it's, yes, and, it has, and they have been used as political hits to cause things like this to happen. And are we sure that these charges against Fortenberry aren't from exactly the same foundation as those we just talked about. That's an easy answer for me as well, and that yes, answer is, is no. I, I, I'm the, not here's sure. Here's the last one. Here's the last one. Is Jeff Fortenberry guilty? That I will wait until the judgment okay, so goes through the process. My point is this. We need to be quick to listen. Pay attention to this history you and I just talked about. And slow to speak. Now, I believe there's a quandary, a quandary the other side welcomes regarding Jeff Fortenberry. I don't know that I would support Jeff Fortenberry if these charges weren't there compared to Mike Flood. I've known him personally for years. Mm-hmm. I'm not totally, but I believe we need to be careful not to get sucked in to something that is political. Ron, uh, that's, that's my point. Ron, very, very good call. 
extremely good. Please call in any time so that we can talk because you, you're you're helping me process complicated issues. And I agree with you for the public that's listening right now. Uh, there's a lot to unpack there, but there is this. And, and I going forward, Ron, you call me if I mess it up. I going forward, I'm going to separate that, you know, don't pass judgment on Jeff Fortenberry for whatever this is until it runs through the courts because I believe in law and order. At the second time, I think, I think what today was is politics. And there's a difference there. There's the man and what he's done, and we'll see what ends up coming of that. But in fact, there is politics being played today in a fear that this, whatever it is, may weaken his ability to get reelected. And I think that there needs to be two distinctions. And if I didn't do that, that's bad on me. And I, I would say one last thing. I believe there's politics, too. What we don't know for sure is, are the conservatives here now taking advantage of right. this quandary presented, whether true or not? Yeah. It's a real quandary. We need to be slow and careful. Yeah, really good thoughts, Ron. Appreciate that. Um, yeah, real good thoughts. Somebody get Ron on this show. Come, Ron, if you're available, you can have my job. No, I'm kidding. I enjoy my job. But I'd love for you to call in. Um and I think I didn't explicitly say it, but I, I I am thinking the same thing when I talk about a sitting governor, you know, endorsing one candidate, a very popular former president endorsing another candidate, and now we have two governors endorsing a district one. So there's certainly politics going on right now for some high positions in the conservative party here in Nebraska. There's no doubt about that. Um, so yeah, let's see where this goes, and and I'm gonna try to separate the two topics. Uh, it, you know, if I dress it again, because I, I think uh, Jeff Fortenberry and our process is worth that. Let's go to Richard on line two. Richard, thank you for the bring back the bridges information packet. Hey, uh, I'm glad you liked it, and uh, those will probably be showing up at county commissioners' meetings this year as the county commissioners uh, struggle with their budget. Um, I, I want to clarify some of what you were saying. I think you handled the question uh, from, I believe it was Deb, very well. I think it was uh, Sue. And uh, there, uh, Sue, that's right, it was Sue. Uh, the, what happened was, at some point in time, people were feeling that there was some unfairness. And that is that only city residents pay the wheel tax but the residents that live out in the county don't pay a wheel tax, but yet they beat up our city street. So there was an attempt that was made, uh, I believe, about a year ago to try to get Waverly and Hickman to agree to be assessed a wheel tax, which would be used for repair of Lincoln City streets. Okay. And that, that initiative did not, uh, not catch fire. Uh, one of the big opponents that has has been a thorn in the side of the county engineer for years is former county commissioner Larry Hudkins, who repeatedly failed to appropriate enough money for the bridges. And interestingly enough, Larry Hudkins led the charge to try to defeat these uh, wheel taxes in Waverly and Hickman. Um, I I really agree with your assessment. We have enough money to do it. We need to catch up. We need to get the things uh, leveled out 
so that uh, if some more bridges go bad, we're at least not starting in the hole. And I certainly hope that we can get a pledge from our existing county commissioners to appropriate enough money this year in this budget to give Pam Dingman what she needs to get us caught up. Yeah, thanks for the call, and you have a very good weekend, Richard. You too. Yeah, I think it gets confused. Uh, maybe I was here, maybe I wasn't. Maybe I wasn't paying attention. Uh, when I'm up here, I'm uh, talking about this subject. I, I'm not talking about, well, we should pay for that, or we should pay for this, or my tax dollars and wheel. No. I'm talking about elected officials and prioritization of our tax money. I'm talking about prioritization of federal money if it comes in and if it has strings attached, working to fit those uh, strings and grants into the uh, prioritized efforts, uh, in this case for the county. Uh, What we are talking about in the most simplistic terms is we have gotten behind on periodic maintenance in our roads and bridges in the county. And we need to catch up, so therefore we're kind of at a a net good starting point and then continue to fund them at a status level that keeps right on track or even ahead of the curve, right? And we're talking about the decisions from which the board prioritizes the existing tax money. And we have the money, so it's a prioritization issue if you're asking me. Um and we talk about it a lot. Uh, interesting enough, here's a funny one, kind of changing subjects, folks. And again, we've got uh, we've got a few minutes left. We've got time for one or two more calls on the Rick Stein Recognition Hotline, 402-479-1400. I do want to uh, circle back. It's totally off topic. Uh, you know, Julie was in yesterday, and, and we were talking about LPS and the... and books and things. And, you know, at some point, one of the pages talked about, you know, basically, you know, white cops shooting, uh, you know, black people or young black people. Um, and that caused one of the listeners, uh, Craig, to send out a lot of information via text. Uh, Craig, you're always welcome to come in, and I appreciate you listening. I appreciate your engagement. Um, Craig, what you gave me was, and you said, you know, I keep these uh, drug usage and prison statistics uh, on your phone so that when people don't think that there's systematic racism, uh, I can show them. And you and I, kind of after the show, had a nice text back and forth. I presented some of my ideas. And again, my ideas. I didn't go so deep to grab any facts. But one of the things is, is ultimately you were on the side that there is systematic racism. And I left last night saying, listen, I haven't seen anything in data or my experience that shows me that America is a systematically racist place. Um, and you, you know, you, you came back and that's fine. Uh, I'm not going to go into it, but that is a healthy, I think, topic debate for folks, even here in Lincoln, Lancaster County, because your view on those issues informs certainly politicians, you know, how you vote and different things that we allocate our money to. Um, I wasn't necessarily moved um, by the statistics you gave me. I mean, we're talking about uh, one group, right? Uh, Drug usage and prison statistics. But I do think, Craig, there is a good discussion to be had about that topic. 
and I want to let you know that if you happen to be listening, that I, I think a lot of uh, Lincoln and Lancaster County people um, would like to hear that. So, you know, anyone out there that uh, enjoys that topic, thinks a lot about it, uh, wants to talk about it, um, happy to embrace that a little bit. Uh, one of the things I want to pass on, it, it's been going around some of the other news outlets, and it's it's both sad and it's good. Um, you know, we have a veteran, Joseph Erwin er, Joseph Brown. Uh, he was 89, and he passed. And uh, he has no close relatives or survivors. And he's a veteran. And, you know, when I look at his service, he served, you know, 20 years, um, 1951 to 71. He went on to serve in the Postal Service for 15 years. I mean, that's essentially 35 years of service to our country, our area. He was a member of American Legion Post. Um, he was overseas for 10 and a half years. I, I know what that's like. Um, this man gave his his life, um, all of his working years, you know, in some form of service to us. And uh, he's not going to have anybody at his funeral. And so I want you, if... If you have the time, if you are a veteran or you are a concerned citizen, to attend Erwin Joseph Brown's funeral 1 p.m. Monday at Roper and Son South Lincoln Chapel. Uh, masks are required. And then there will be a full military honorable burial at the Lincoln Memorial Park Cemetery after that. Um, yeah, I mean, you think about that, and it, it, it just kind of... Kind of makes me just take a breath to think that, you know, somebody's lived almost 90 years, uh, given over one-third of that to service to all of us. And and upon passing on, you know, there is nobody um, close, nobody um, to be able to attend this funeral. So so let's show up and, and let's, you know, pass Mr. Irvin Joseph Brown on. And and thank him for all he's done. Again, the funeral service um, is at Roper and Sons, and at 1 p.m. on Monday, the 24th. And uh, there will be a full military honors burial in the Lincoln Memorial Park Cemetery to follow. Let's go to Dan on line one. Hey, Commander. Uh, the um, I, I just really wanted. I was uh, listening to your uh, in, invitation for everyone to go to that funeral. And I just want to say I really commend you for that, and uh, it's really touching, and uh, I'll try to make that for sure. Um, the thing about our, our older people, when they pass, when they get up to those uh, 90 and, and that kind of age, is that a lot of their friends have already passed on, and a lot of the people that love them are already gone, and I think that's uh, a nice tribute if people can get out there. So I, I really commend you for uh, talking about that. Well, I agree. I hope um, I hope Commander, I hope people will do it. Yeah, I think it's a good idea, and um, God bless him. And uh, and uh, it it sounds like he's 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 done not just done a lot for us, but also um, you know just out of respect for for that age uh, that he made, and and I'm sure he did a lot of contributions to to society that we don't even know about. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure, Dan. Um... Yeah, no doubt about it. I'm glad to get it out there. And I see a lot of the news outlets are are doing a good job getting it out. So um, we're oh, just okay. passing it on. But uh, yeah, what you got? You uh, I bet my guess is because I know you. You've got some other items that you're curious about. Well, yeah, it was um, you uh, probably heard. I was a little bit disappointed by our new police chief. I know that you are um, very optimistic about her, but I was um, 
I thought it was kind of strange and, and a little bit um, uh, frustrating. Uh, she made testimony against the um, concealed carry or the right to carry. The constitutional uh, carry. The constitutional carry, yeah. thank you. And I was very uh, disturbed by that because she suggested that in lieu of, of uh, carrying a gun, you should call the police. Well, the last time I called the police, I think it was you had you had just started your show, and I was reporting to you that the call, there was a break-in uh, on my street by some uh, kids uh, with... 20 seconds. In, in, ...in drugs, and it took 40 minutes yeah. for the police to come. So I don't think that's an acceptable idea for her to, to promote. Um, there's a lot of work that has to be done first, and I, and I think that more guns is less crime in our city and everywhere around the country been proven time and time and time again no matter what yeah um, well i'll uh, i'll make a few closing comments about that when we come back thanks for the call dan 1499.3 drive time lincoln you're getting the 411 from dtl with commander jack riggins on 1499.3 klin all right, before I uh, talk a little bit about constitutional carry, uh, just a reminder, uh, Secretary of State uh, Bob Evnen will be on Tuesday. Uh, we'll talk everything uh, Secretary of State there. Um, as we get into the next week, because I'm going to be gone, and Doug Fitzgerald will be in uh, Wednesday through uh, Friday, uh, that Thursday he's going to do all things Midwest wrestling uh, with Brian Blade, the heavyweight champion, and Johnny Cadillac here. Uh, I know they're excited about that. Uh, after that, we're getting into Epic consumption tax. We're going to try to get uh, uh, Steve Erdogan on, and we're going to talk about that. Um, you know, that's a week out, so don't worry about it. Uh, remember, we have a veteran, Erwin Joseph Brown, 89, served 20 years, served in the Postal Service for 15 years. Uh, he passed on and has no close survivors. Uh, any and all veterans or concerned citizens, um, if you can, please go out to Roper and Sons uh, Chapel at 1 p.m. on Monday, and, and let's honor Erwin Joseph Brown, for his service to all of us. Uh, he will be buried following that uh, with full military honors. Uh, Stephanie Deeds Johnson has an event coming up uh, hosting Nebraska for Founders Values, Mind Pollutants. Um, essentially a national documentary on the targeting of sexualization of our kids in the public schools. Uh, that event is January 27th at 6.30 p.m. at Elevate Church. Um, you can get a hold of Stephanie Deeds Johnson at stephaniejohnson1022 at gmail.com to reserve your seat. Uh, here's the deal, Dan. It doesn't surprise me the police chief would say that. Uh, I think it's stuck in the question a little bit um, with regard to um, really the not much change between constitutional carry and concealed carry. Uh, there's no doubt about it. An educated gun society, uh, which Nebraska is, is a safer society. Um, and yeah. Uh, she needs to get her officers up to speed, meaning the numbers, so that response times aren't 40 minutes. It's that simple. 1,499.3 KLIN.